0: There are some beloved characters in pop culture, Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz, Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird, Yoda from Star Wars, and then, of course, Dora the Explorer. Okay, maybe the last one is a bit of a stretch, but for Ellen Bennett, the founder of multi-million dollar apron company Headley and Bennett, that children's character's can-do adventurous spirit resonates with and lives within her. And she has tapped into some of those qualities to approach entrepreneurship in a somewhat unique way.
1: I definitely feel like I was a bit of a Dora the Explorer with enough kind of humble enthusiasm. You open a lot of doors. That's what I did. And and it worked. And, you know, I don't always land all of my wild adventures. But in this case, it really was the beginning of a whole new journey. And. It's so simple as just like showing up to the place where you're going to meet the people or have a chance to talk to somebody who will get you into the next door. And then you keep asking and you keep asking and you're just, you got to be relentless.
0: The places Ellen was showing up, they were Michelin star restaurants in Los Angeles. And she was going around to the back doors to put her product in front of some of the best chefs in the world. Ellen was not well known. Her product was an apron, something that every restaurant in town already had in bulk. And she was a one-woman operation trying to leapfrog all of the traditional lanes to go straight to the top and find success. She didn't have Dora's map or her partners in crime to guide her. She was Ellen the Explorer, and she was out on her own. Welcome back to The Journey. There are always exciting things happening in the world of small business. The news that grabs the headlines, though, are always the highlights. The overnight successes, the billion dollar IPOs, the massive exits. But just like your Instagram feed, that's never the whole story. Let's look deeper than the headlines and press photos. Underneath all of that is the real work of building something valuable and lasting. Don't get me wrong, I love crazy success stories and can be drawn in by those big flashy tales just as much as the next person. But we all know that what's more important than the destination is how you get there. It's the struggles you have to overcome and the insights you learn along the way that make you who you are. So those are the stories we're telling. It's raw, it's honest, and maybe it's exactly what you need to hear. I'm Hillary Georgie, and this is The Journey. So, anyone who owns a small business knows what the difference between surviving and thriving feels like. And obviously we all aim to thrive. That's why we're excited about our latest partnership with UPS. Our listeners know that whether you're moving your business online or getting into new markets or just trying to make things run faster and more efficiently, small businesses are up against a unique set of challenges. That's why UPS designed innovative tools just for small businesses that are made to help take you to the next level. Learn more about how UPS can get your small business moving forward at ups.com slash pivot. Ellen has been independent since she was a little girl. Her parents got divorced when she was nine years old, and Ellen was thrust into the role of caregiver for her younger sister, while their mom went to work as a nurse. She would cook meals for the family, take her sister to school, and when things got hard financially, she took matters into her own hands. I convinced Bank of America to give me an extension to her credit card, like at a really young age. I was like 13 or 14 and I demanded it. Ellen grew to believe that the world was someplace she could and should take on. And her mom supported that mindset by granting her the freedom and autonomy that would become the hallmark of her individuality. They became very normal for me to do things that
1: kids maybe normally, quote unquote, didn't do at that age. And I just, she never said you couldn't do any of that. So I just did it. And that was huge for me. And I think it's such a gift that my mom Did that with us because it opened all these doors without me even realizing that the doors were open or closed before.
0: It was just like, here's the world, go out and get it. And go she did. At the ripe age of 18, Ellen went to live in Mexico City by herself. There, she studied at culinary school and she found work in kitchens, but not through any normal application process. She went to the back doors of restaurants and asked if they needed any help. And then she put herself to work red tape, and waiting your turn. Two major elements of rising through the ranks in the culinary world? Yeah. Ellen wasn't interested in all that. And then I later realized that a lot of people, the
1: sort of status quo is you go to culinary school and you get a reference and somebody emails a chef that they know, and then you get an interview. And I just sort of jumped that entire bureaucracy of those details. Literally went into the back door and asked the bus boys to show me where the chef was, and they would dump me in front of the chef, and then I would give them a live pitch of why I needed to work at their restaurant, they didn't know what to do with themselves because
0: most people don't do that. Her backdoor method got her in front of the people she wanted to learn from. And when she left Mexico and moved back to LA, she used that same technique to land a job at Providence, a Michelin star restaurant, working in upscale kitchens with chefs she admired. Ellen was struck by one thing that didn't seem to make sense. Everyone was wearing terrible, ugly, cheap aprons that were not functional and looked pretty pathetic, especially alongside some of the freshest, finest, fanciest food in the world. I was
1: shocked, honestly, that we were all in there on using the best equipment, literally ordering scallops from Japan and doing crazy things where this is like, Some special vinegar made by some man in the mountains of the Himalayas. And yet we all were like dressed in polyester sheets with basically like a shoelace strap around the waist tied to our bodies.
0: Like, good luck, Godspeed. That got Ellen thinking back to her time in Mexico City when she was training for a marathon. And despite having no running experience, went through an immediate mental shift when she put on running gear for the first time. I got chosen to be in the New York marathon. I got to prepare now. I went to Nike, I bought
1: myself a hell of a great outfit. And I was like, I am a freaking runner now, let's go. And that made me feel like I was something that two minutes before I wasn't. And it just all was mental. And I loved that. I loved that I had convinced myself of something very different immediately after having a different thought. And I wanted that feeling, that exact moment to exist when people wore our aprons, where they put it over their head and they're like, this is legit. I am legit. I'm going to do this. And I thought the way to make people feel
0: even more that way is to have incredible chefs wearing that product. There was only one small problem. These awesome aprons didn't exist yet. They were still just an idea in Ellen's head when one day, a chef she was working for mentioned an upcoming order of custom aprons he was going to make. He said, "Hey, there's
1: a girl. She's gonna make us aprons. Do you want to buy one?" And I like couldn't believe that that conversation had just hit my face, and I was like, "I have an apron company," and I like blurted it out because I couldn't believe that there was someone else in the universe that had also thought about what I was doing. And I wasn't about to like let the ship sail. And I convinced him to drop that order and to give it to me. And that's basically how Headley and it began. There was no business plan or
0: roadmap or analysis. Ellen wasn't just lacking a business plan, though. She had no employees, no supplies, no sewing experience, and no tested design. But she did have a purchase order and that can-do attitude. So she took to the streets and went shop by shop, door by door, person to person, until she found someone who could help her produce the aprons she had promised. The first aprons were kind of like that first pancake. You gotta throw it away. The quality wasn't great, and there was some serious product development and testing that needed to happen. For this, Ellen tapped into those around her. Every single chef I sat with, they'd tell me, this
1: is what's wrong with it. This is what's right with it. I need a better pocket. The straps aren't working. I hate this thing about it. And so they were all my focus group. And it
0: just made a really damn good product because they were developing it with me. Eventually. Ellen and the one sewer she had found landed on a design and materials that worked. All she needed now was customers. So what do you think Ellen did? More after the break. Today's podcast is sponsored by UPS. Look, if there's one thing that all small business owners know, it's that keeping customers waiting just doesn't work. So UPS has unveiled their fastest ground shipping ever, getting you to customers in cities across the U.S. up to a day faster. And now Mission Podcast listeners can save on UPS's fastest ground shipping ever with the code SOAR, S-O-A-R. Small businesses around the country trust UPS to get their orders out the door and delivered every day. Your customers don't have time to wait and you don't have time to waste. So head to ups.com slash pivot and use the code SOAR, S-O-A-R, to start shipping and saving with UPS's fastest ground ever today. With a quality product in hand, Ellen hit the streets once more. She would go to kitchens and events, offer to work for free, and then put her aprons into the hands of any chef or interested person who crossed her path. Interest grew steadily, and through hustle and word of mouth from happy customers, Headley and Bennett was growing. And so everything just running on adrenaline
1: for the first handful of years. It was so bootstrapped. I had no money when I began it, and I was reinvesting every penny back into the business. And just kind of like growing it in a way that, again, to the point of
0: not knowing what other people were doing. You'd think that having a growing business is the dream. But in fact, like those cheap aprons Ellen hated, things were coming apart at the seams. Her first sewer she had hired and who had made all of her orders since day one burned out. He quit the same day that Ellen had secured a new office and sewing machines for him to churn out their steady stream of orders. To make matters worse, because Ellen was doing everything on her own, even tracking material prices in the margin of her notebooks or from the cobwebs of her memory, she was undercharging for her products. Oh, and she was delivering every order herself, meaning she was crisscrossing LA once or twice a week, losing time and money in the process. I essentially went out and started looking for other
1: sewers and tried a bunch of people. And a lot of people... Really screwed me over. And I would give them the order and the fabric, and they would deliver subpar quality with the pockets completely crooked or incorrectly placed. And I had to essentially go and buy new fabric and like start from zero again. And when you're talking about this scale, it was me and a roll of fabric and one order. Replacing one roll of fabric was almost like putting me in bankruptcy. And yet I just was like, all right, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I have to deliver on this. So I'll make it work. So there were many orders that I ended up making no money on because I would go buy new fabric. Cause I had to, cause some sewer didn't do it right. Stuff like that, or committing to delivery times as the orders got bigger and bigger, it went from 10 units to 50 to a hundred to 200. It was still just like me. And then maybe I had one person. It got Really intense to do this all in my head. And I'd be on the phone and jotting notes down in little notebooks. Oh, yeah, I think the price on that fabric is like this much. So, based on that much, this is what I can charge you. And then I'd undercharge and not cover my costs. It was just a hot mess. But everyone was so excited about what I was doing. And I was so excited that I was kind of birthing these little apron babies all over the place and that people looked cool in them. They felt proud. And that that confidence that I was telling you about, I really wanted to build in the kitchen was happening, that I didn't let any of that stuff deter me. I was just kind of like a goldfish. I'd had like short-term memory on the mistakes and I just kept running forward.
0: Despite all the struggles and the restarts and the replacements of subpar aprons, she was starting to get more and more attention from some of the biggest celebrity chefs in the game, including Martha Stewart and David Chang. And when another big name wanted to check out what the deal was with Ellen and her aprons, she was scrambling.
1: So Alton Brown came to the office because we were now going to do a collaboration with him. And I had two and a half employees and I called a bunch of friends and I was like, I need you guys to just fill the room.
0: And we all piled in, made it look like we were so there and we had made it. When the Alton Brown order came through, it was time for Ellen to get some real help so she got to hiring. But Ellen fell into a common trap that so many entrepreneurs stumble on. She tried to grow too big too quickly and was just plugging holes in the ship as they popped up. Again, she didn't know any other way, but this time she got burned. How did the impact of the mistakes grow? Like As you're growing, like any mistake you make probably gets elevated too. It was almost like every time
1: the company was about to explode in one area, we put somebody there. We didn't hire ahead head of growth, which I think is challenging to not do that. But we hired when the growth was happening, I'd be like, okay, we need to plug somebody in right here. We made a lot of mistakes on hiring, on management, on how do we do this? It, it was just like, we didn't know anything. So we were just doing it. We'd hire somebody, we'd throw them in a role. They wouldn't be trained in any way. And it was just like figured out sink or swim and it was just mayhem. And so you just kept doing that and realizing these mistakes were getting more and more grave and severe and you actually couldn't afford that way anymore. So you had to change your tune and do it differently. It took me failing hard, slamming my face into the ground to do it a different way. And that was maybe just like stubbornness or just me being enthusiastic about just getting it done
0: without worrying about the repercussions. But yeah, you just can't do it forever like that. Her naivete, once her greatest asset, was now a liability. But she wasn't willing to let this business she had grown crash and burn. She had come too far. Well, if you think about it, it's like
1: I was just a $10 an hour line cook before I started this. Not to minimize myself, but really just to kind of share the change in the world. And the only experience I had had with people was in a professional restaurant where you're basically half the time you're like getting yelled at or half the time you're you're cleaning. Like that's what you're doing in a, in a kitchen. So a different world. And I learned a lot of things on how not to do it. Now it's a whole different process for when we hire people. But I'm incredibly grateful to the early on team members who just leaped into the fire with me and just showed up and said, okay, well, she's running hard to like, let's run with her. I have very much learned to kind of shed the roles that aren't best suited for me and help people do the best that they can do by giving them the roles best suited for them versus just like everyone doing everything, which was for a long time what we did. We outsourced our 3PL, so our the party logistics warehouse used to be in-house we used to ship everything now we have a distribution center that does that all for us so that we can focus on what we do best which is make really amazing product and outfit home cooks now and get into the home
0: cook space today Headley and bennett has about 40 employees ellen's aprons are in some of the top restaurants in america and home chefs are also being inspired by the products that Ellen and her team have created. Headley & Bennett has secured collaboration opportunities with companies like Vance and Richer Poorer and is now hitting multi-million dollars in revenue every year. Ellen the Explorer has turned into Ellen the Entrepreneur. She took the route that wasn't on the map and did things the way she knew how, for better or worse. The lesson she learned along the way is that sometimes, the prescribed path isn't the best path. Sometimes you have to knock on the back door. The journey is created by mission.org and sponsored by UPS. To learn more about the show or mission, visit mission.org. And to learn more about how UPS can help your business, visit ups.com pivot.